I'd like to begin, I don't know what kind of voice I have, it's not much, is it? I'd like to begin by remembering my guru, Baba Muktananda, who began every talk by saying in Hindi, Sabko Varasanmane Kesat Prem Sayadik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would always say that that's the essence of it. And there's lots of love here tonight. <clears throat> Devi Ma, usually on Devi Ma's birthday, she either says, do Baba or do some a woman saint. And so tonight, tonight she had a special request, a woman saint we've never done before, who both of us know very well. And so, let's see. And that's Swami Prajnananda, uh, belovedly called Ama, or Mother, by everybody around Baba. And um, she was Baba's assistant, Baba's secretary, Baba's spokesperson, uh, so many things. What else do you have? Hmm? Ah, yeah. There she is with Baba. This was in uh, Miami, I think. How many more? Okay. Ah, now you can get an idea of uh, what satsang was like. Amma's there in the middle. Where's my little red pointer? What? There she goes. Oh, who, who did that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This looks like uh, on tour, possibly at uh, Tukaram's Samadhi or somewhere. Is that Tukaram there? Yeah. Looks like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, next, what else? Ah, this was in Australia. There's Amma on the left, and the left of Amma, there's half of my face. <laughs> and this was, uh, this was in Perth, Australia, 74. And Girij is there behind Baba, Professor Jane, and uh, uh, Malti, Swami, Chidvalasananda, Guru Mai, and others. And what else do you have? More. One more? Ah. There's the whole cast of characters. I'm in the middle, Baba in the front, and Devi Ma in the back. This is in L.A. Fallsburg. In the, around 1980 or so, 7980. Yeah, yeah. So Amma was um, a great guru bhakta and a selfless servant. She always, uh, she never liked the limelight. She always uh, talked about Baba. She never talked about herself. And she was a, a great uh, inspiration, uh, a perfect devotee. <clears throat> and then uh, recently Swami Parmananda found uh, an article, right? From, uh, I have a collection of Guru Devani's. Guru Devani, Amma wrote about Baba, wrote about his yoga and explained it to us. Because uh, Baba himself hadn't written about it yet. And he explained about Shaktipad and Kundalini and all these things. And she also published a, a magazine called Guru Devani, 
this is Guru Devani, these are a couple of issues. Um, <clears throat> which was the yearly magazine, came out on Guru Purnima. Every year it was a bunch of essays by devotees. Usually had an essay by Baba about some subject. And then devotees sharing experiences and so on. Uh, so she was the literary uh, wing. But early on in Guru Devani, first issue, first one, 1964, when it first came out, uh, she wrote a piece about her experience. Again, it's very self-effacing um, because very little of her really, all about Baba, but still fascinating. So this is the My Gurudev by Pratibha Trivedi, known as Amma and later Swami Prajananda. <clears throat> she says, in the scriptures and in the books of the wise, it is said that the fruit of satsang, holy company, is very great. Even a moment satsang brings blessedness in one's life. The influence begins in a very subtle way while one is unaware of it. My older brother, Sri Yogendra Trivedi, used to come often to Ganeshpuri. And I've mentioned him recently. He was called Papa. We all called him Papa, Ama and Papa. <clears throat> From childhood, he loved solitude and was a lover of nature. He likes to roam in the jungles all alone. His favorite deity is Lord Shiva. A Shiva temple is situated in a beautiful spot in the midst of evergreen trees near Bombay, and this was his favorite haunt. Later he found another beautiful spot. Is my voice really bad? Can you bear it? What? It's just croaking. Can you hear me? Can you understand it? Okay. It's causing me great pain to talk. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. <clears throat> okay. Um, later we found another beautiful spot. No, that's not going to help. <clears throat> The natural beauty of the forests and the hills around Ganeshpuri are very enchanting. Hence, since 1952, Yogendra Bai started visiting Ganeshpuri and regularly paid homage to Bhagwan Nityananda. He came close to him, and after some time, his visits to Ganeshpuri became frequent. He talked about Bhagwan Nityananda and urged me to meet him, since he was aware of the philosophical bent of my mind. And Amma was a professor of Sanskrit, and she was very uh, intellectual. And I think that's why Baba always put me and her together, because I was the professor, and she was a professor. And um, one time, uh, and she, was, she told me when, she, when they, the tour left Ann Arbor, you bring all the professors to the ashram, because <laughs> uh, there weren't too many academics with Baba at that time. And, um, and then Baba sent us up to uh, do a workshop in uh, Esalen Institute, you know, famous Esalen Institute. And uh, we flew up from, from LA where Baba was do doing programs. We flew up the coast to, to Esalen. And uh, Amma said to me, Swamiji says, if after Baba goes, you have an ashram, can I live there? She said, oh, I said, no way. 
I said, of course, Amma. I was so touched, but it didn't work out that way, but uh, that was the nature of it. Um, <clears throat> so thus, one day in June 1955, he took me to Ganeshpuri. This is Amma's first visit. The first thing that impressed me about Bhagavan Nityananda was his renunciation. He looked indifferent to the material world, which was dust to him. He seemed to live in some remote world. <clears throat> it's certain I had never seen a saint like him before. And the first reaction in my mind was, how can one achieve a state like this? <laughs> After that, he always lingered in my mind. And sometimes I came for his darshan with my brother. Again, it was my brother who first talked to me about a disciple of Bhagavan who was staying about half a mile distance on the way to Ganeshpuri. He said he was very learned and affectionate and had a powerful and unforgettable personality. He knew the scriptures and the works of the saints by heart and freely quoted Sanskrit verses. My brother said to me, I'm going to meet him, why don't you come? So in April 1958, I met my master, Swami Muktananda Paramahansa. And my pilgrimage on the spiritual path began on that day. And her, her uh, description of Bob is so accurate. It's not personal, but it's so perfectly. It was he who gave me a clear picture of the nature of truth, the meaning of sadhana, spiritual practice, and the necessity of a guru. Before meeting him, his, this picture was very hazy and confusing in my mind, in spite of my studies of Vedanta. The first impression he gave me on that day was, quote, still your mind and you'll know the truth. Search him within you. Gurudev is within you. See, this was, what was it, 58? Bhagwan Nityananda still had three years to live, so Baba was very much in disciple Bhav, even though he, had, he lived in the little ashram Bhagwan had given him up the road. Amma says, these words went deep into me. He also made me understand the all-pervasiveness and the divine power of Bhagwan Nityananda, who from the background of my mind came to the forefront. From that day came a change in outlook, in my outlook on life. A new and direct experience of spiritual awakening gave me inner peace and satisfaction. So on her first encounter, I think she got Shaktipat, she got awakening, and that was the effect it had. My visits to Ganeshri became more frequent. I felt the presence and protection of Bhagavan Nityananda wherever I was, whether at home, in college, in the streets, in buses, or in trains. I came nearer to him and had opportunities to talk to him. At his wish, my brother built a house in Ganeshpuri that was named Sadnukutir by Bhagavan Nityananda. We also have a Sadnukutir here in the ashram. I'm ever obliged to my brother for all this. I'm sure that still exists in Ganeshpur, but I don't know which building or who owns it now. Sadhana In various ways, direct as well as suggestive, Bhagwan Nityananda encouraged me to go to Swami Muktananda. 
and I found myself going from Bhagavan to Swamiji and from Swamiji to Bhagavan, during which time both of them, by their own peculiar methods, revealed their greatness, their power, and their essential oneness. For me, Nityanandaji was Bhagavan, and Swamiji was my guru, spiritual guide, Gurudev. That's Baba talking about as Swamiji. When Bhagwan took Mahasamadhi, August 1961, when he died, this understanding enabled me to bear the shock. During his lifetime, Bhagwan had gradually directed our faith towards Baba. Without our knowing, he passed us on to his beloved disciple, Swami Muktananda, who he found to be the very image of his master. Thus being pushed by Bhagawan and drawn by Gurudev, I came to know and understand my master, Swami Muktananda, better. Baba has reached spiritual heights where oneness of the self is experienced everywhere and duality does not exist. Yet he manages to come down from such heights to talk, laugh, and mingle with people who come to meet him. It is like an ocean becoming a drop and again merging, the drop merging into the ocean. But you never see the quick change because it's so natural and effortless in him, and he is in constant communion with the Absolute. That's what I saw in Baba, too, that even though he was very busy doing things, meeting people, there was never a break in his connectedness. You had to intuit that connectedness to the divine. Those who came near him with an open mind and a pure heart are able to have a glimpse of his greatness. Baba happily combines in himself sharp intelligence, vast knowledge of the scriptures, and realization of the self with the power to push people onto the divine path. Although he quotes verses and lines from the scriptures, his discourse does not bear the mark of professional scholarship, which may bore the listener. <laughs> but his explanations are always in simple, easy, and humorous language. His every word reflects his experience. It is living knowledge that comes out of his mouth and not mere words. Therefore, his speech is so forceful that it immediately and easily penetrates the mind and heart of a sincere seeker. For him, for him that is the sincere seeker, Baba is an unforgettable personality. Having met him once, he feels like coming to him again and again without knowing why he does so. Must be true. When I met Baba, I never left him. That was it. So, <clears throat> it is the immediate attraction of aspirants to the divinity in Baba which makes them collect around him. Baba greets every person in his own special way by responding immediately to the person's feeling. Knowing the innermost thoughts of a person, he reacts swiftly and spontaneously. With his deep insight, keen intellect, and extrasensual perception, that's what it says, extrasensual perception, he sees through a person and understands them. He knows exactly what a particular person wants and what his requirements are. His answer to a question depends on the person who asked it. Thus, the same question may be answered differently, but to different people. He talks from the level of the understanding of the person. I was very struck when he spoke to me, when my parents came to Ganeshpuri. Uh, in his first conversation with them, he sounded like he shared their political views. It was blowing my mind. And he was just speaking at their level. And they came away and said, 
Baba knows so much about politics. <laughs> Being versatile, he talks on any subject, such as food, medicine, clothes, business, economics, politics, domestic affairs, and so on. In this manner, he reminds me of a teacher in my school who used to draw a beautiful picture out of any silly line or figure that a student would draw on the blackboard. My father used to do that. My father used to do chalk talks in which you give him a word like music and he would write it in a funny way. Then he'd make a picture of a musician. That was what he did. He did a lot of things like that. <clears throat> Similarly, from any silly question that is put to him, Gurudev speaks wonderful truths. Uh, ultimately, rounding off the subject spiritually, which starts a person's thinking. Baba is always simple, natural, and practical in his dealings. He knows perfectly well what he is saying or doing. There's always some meaning in what he says or does. <clears throat> it may only be one word or a simple action. He's a perfectionist and loves perfection in thought and action. He's very demanding, Baba was. He also wants his devotees to behave in a natural and normal way and disapproves of all sorts of eccentricities. So it means he'd like people to be natural, not be on a trip. <clears throat> no outward demonstration is required by anyone to become his disciple. Baba recognized the inner surrender and willingness of a person to be his disciple. Therefore, the person gets the spiritual training he needs and not, that which he, not what he wants. He does not hesitate to reprove his loving disciples if found necessary. He does not tolerate any lack of interest, absent-mindedness, irresponsibility, inconstancy, or lethargy on the part of his disciples. He does not allow them to sink into laziness. He is well aware of a person's thinking. I can raise my hand and say, yeah. Baba's presence is felt everywhere in the ashram without his physical nearness. In training his disciples, what Gurudev aims at is the utter annihilation of the individual ego and bringing about the awareness of the all-pervasiveness of the universal self. <clears throat> From the idea of individuality, he takes them to the consciousness of universality, gives the experience of the highest truth. To do so, he has his own ways in each one. He often tests the degree of a disciple's inner submission, his tenacity to stick, his patience, and his obedience. In the presence of Baba, one has to learn by oneself without receiving any verbal instructions from him. With Baba, every day is a new experience in wisdom and knowledge. In Sri Gurudev Ashram, and now, now she's talking about the way it was in 19... 64. Later on, when people from all over the world flooded the place, and there were hundreds, thousands of people living there, it had a very firm daily routine every day. It had to because you couldn't have a couple of thousand people milling around aimlessly all day long. But in the very beginning, it was very informal. People just, Bob would come out, they would sit with him, ask him a few questions, meditate a little bit. They go on, then they go for lunch, come back, he would sit with them. <clears throat> so this is what she's describing in, in 1964. In Sri Gurudev Ashram, there are no teaching lessons, no prescribed books, 
no sermons, no regular activities, no programs of bhajan, worship, or sectarian rituals. All that changed later. Baba does not preach, but he exerts a spiritual influence which changes the outlook of a person on life and brings peace. He does not give boons or perform miracles, but gives strength to bear misfortunes with inner tranquility. Still, many instances are found where the prayers of the faithful ones are answered. He listens graciously to all, and all sorts of people come to him, but his attention is fixed on those who are seeking God. Baba brings about spiritual awakening in a person by the process of Shaktipat, in which Kundalini Shakti is awakened. This is the spiritual heritage received by Baba from his master. John Woodruff, in his book, The Serpent Power, says Kundalini Yoga is based on the concept of the existence of Shakti in every individual which can be activated and developed. Now, Sir John Woodruff was uh, an English judge in uh, India, probably around the turn of the 20th century. And he wrote, he got fascinated by yoga, so he did his work and then he would go off and meet yogis. And he started, he became, he must have gotten awakened and he wrote a number of books um, on the earliest books. And I used to hear Baba, Baba would say, Sir John Woodruff, he would be talking about. And in, the, in, those, in that generation of seekers, we read the books. They're almost unreadable, basically, but uh, there's one called The Serpent Power, and uh, that's what he's talking about here. But they're the first books that describe uh, this process and so on. He says, um, <clears throat> the shakti in each individual can be activated and developed uh, by being led through six psychic centers in the human system. This is Woodruff talking. The ultimate goal of this yoga in common with other yogas is, of course, God realization. It's, it's wonderful to think that uh, a, uh, uh, a judge from England would come and be affected by the spirituality in India. I'm sure many, uh, many of the, the Raj came there and were affected by it and became, uh, started to study it. I've heard of other stories like that. <clears throat> Amma finishes, this yoga can only be understood at the feet of a master. Grace of the master is a phrase known only to those who experienced, known only to those who experienced it. It is a very direct method where a mango is made known not by its description, but by direct taste. The fruit itself is given for you to eat and relish. That's her essay. Not much about who she was, is there? But uh, it's her perceptions of Baba, which uh, they seem quite accurate to me. And then I have a couple other little short bits that she wrote about Baba's life. She wrote a book on uh, one of several books she wrote on Baba's life. And so she tells the story of um, meeting Zipruana. There are two great saints that Baba uh, knew and talked to, and he used to have pictures of them uh, on the wall. One was Zipruana, and one was Harigiri Baba. And they gave him a lot of counseling. Baba was scared shitless of Bhagwan Nityananda. When he got near him, he got really terrified. 
because uh, it mattered so much to him and the Shakti was so strong. But he knew two great beings who he could be friendly with and he would ask them questions and they actually directed him to Bhagwan Nityananda. Uh, so this is about Zipruana who was very dear to Babaji. So you can keep that up there while you hear this story. <clears throat> Amma says, the story of Baba's first meeting with Zipuan is interesting. She would say, the story of Baba's first meeting with Zipuan is interesting. <clears throat> According to Ramdas Jipru, who was a personal attendant of Baba at Chalaskaun, Baba spent some time at a town called Chalaskaun. Uh, there was a haunted house there, and he lived in this haunted house. No one was, everyone was afraid to go to this place, but Baba lived there. And uh, Bhagwan Nityananda said he's thrown the ghost out of the haunted house. <laughs> so, anyway, but his attendant there, who also owned a, a cloth shop, a friend of his, one Dadu, once went to Nasirabad on business. There, someone told him there was a great saint named Zipuana in the town and was worth having his darshan. Now, Nasirabad is an obscure town in Maharashtra someplace, and I actually visited there <clears throat> during my rounds selling magazines. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I went with Baba when Baba went to pick up his elephant. <laughs> we, a whole group of us went with him to another town, and, and Nasirabad was nearby, so we all went to Nasirabad to pay respects to Zipruana. Zipruana has a little samadhi shrine there, and Baba gave a talk in the samadhi shrine. It's very beautiful. <clears throat> so Nasirabad. Dadu went to see him, but was very disappointed <clears throat> to hear that his voice is cracking, <laughs> to see him sitting naked on a heap of refuse. <clears throat> playing with the filth around him. Dado could not believe that he was a saint and thought he'd been fooled by his friend. Zupuana read his thoughts, smiled and said, there's a photo frame in your house which contains the photographs of two swamis. One of them is alive. Tell him to come see me. Dado was most surprised to hear this for it was true. He had a photo frame that contained two photographs. Swami Muktananda was the living Swami whom Zipruana wanted him to come to him. On returning to Chalaskaun, Daru told his experiences to Ramdas, who in turn conveyed the message from Zipruana to Baba. In keeping with his restless temperament, Baba immediately set out to meet the saint. Baba's very decisive. I never met a person more decisive. It's like boom, boom. <clears throat> He saw Zipran exactly the same place and condition in which Dado had found him, but was not taken aback by the saint's outward peculiarities. He was surprised to see that though Zipran was sitting on a heap of refuse, his body was free from any trace of dust, dirt, or repulsive odor. Baba always said that about Zipran. Uh, instead, a pleasant fragrance emanated from his body. Baba was deeply fascinated by the saint's spiritual personality. Inspired by love and reverence from me, he said, he told him, I'm not that Dadu who did not understand you. I know who you are, he told him. 
the saint was very pleased to hear this. And from that day, a bond of love was woven and grew between the two. <clears throat> and one more. This is an interesting story. This also from Amma's biography. You want to hear it? Is it too taxing to hear me like this? <clears throat> I feel like I'm howling wolf. <laughs> howling wolf. Nice to meet you folks. Yeah. Sometimes the blues come down, you get the blues. Right. <clears throat> Round about 1935, <laughs> Baba stayed at Kegaon with a sadhu named Amardas. The story of Baba's stay with him was told by Vaman Sonar, a goldsmith, who became a close devotee of Baba there. I don't know where that town is. It must be Maharashtra. It seems Baba was in search of a place where he could quietly continue his sadhana unnoticed by people. <clears throat> Vaman was with Amardas when a person named Hari Bhakta brought Baba there. He told Amardas, who's the sadhu, he's a yogi, that he had found Baba only a couple of days earlier sitting in the Hanuman temple. So Baba is a young yogi doing his practices. He hadn't yet gotten Shaktipat from Bhagwan Nityananda, but he ardently uh, was meditating and so on. He suggested that Amardas invite him to stay with him. Baba wanted to stay for a while because it was a good place in which he could do his sadhana, his practice, but he was not interested in becoming Amardas's disciple. When invited by Amardas to stay, Baba said his name was Krishnadas. Baba didn't tell him his real name. <clears throat> Although his name was uh, Krishna, was his given name. Um, when asked whether he knew the scriptures, Baba replied that he knew nothing, but that he could sweep the floor. <laughs> Amaras and others thought that Baba was a good-for-nothing person who seemed to have run away from home. <laughs> he allowed Baba to stay with him. Baba swept the floor, cleaned the utensils, and fetched water from the river. The rest of the time he spent doing sadhana in a solitary place across the river. So he's just using it as a place to stay while he could do his practice. He indeed behaved like a stupid and ignorant person. After some time, Vaman Sonar and a teacher known as Pande Master came to know about Baba's sadhana and his real worth, but they were uh, but they were told by Baba to keep silent. So some of them found out that he's a real seeker and he knows more than he's letting on. Two months later, a humorous incident took place. Seeing Krishnas doing his duty well, Hari Bhakta believed that he aspired to become a disciple of Amaras and spoke to Amaras about it. Amaras replied that before accepting anyone as a disciple, his worth had to be tested, and he told Hari Bhakta to test Baba first. So Hari Bhakta asked Baba, Krishnadas, do you have any knowledge of the scriptures? How many senses are there in the human body? Now the word for senses is indriyas, and it doesn't mean exactly the same senses that we do. It includes them, but it includes, uh, there's the karma, the yanindriyas, which are the senses that we know, uh, hearing, sight, smell, 
five of those, but they also have carmandrias, which are this, the uh, organs of action. We wouldn't call them senses, but they're organs of action. They are the arms and the legs, the anus and the genitals, and the tongue. These are the organs of action. Very interesting. Think about it. So they're all called the indrias together. So uh, he says, how many indrias are there? Baba says, I do not know, but I think there may be 12 or 20, replied Baba. <laughs> so Hari Bhakta began to teach Baba, saying, now listen, there are 10 indrias, the karmandrias, the gross senses of action, gross, and the five yanandrias, the subtle sense of knowledge, what we know is the senses. Do you know which they are? No, said Baba. Thereupon, Hari Bhakta enumerated them, telling Baba to remember them well. Baba began to cram the names clumsily, often wrongly. <laughs> Baman Sona was witnessing the play and was about to burst into laughter. And when Baba looked sharply at him, when Baba looked sharply at him, by common sense, however, Krishnadas was found not worthy to be made a disciple. Baba thus lived with Amaras for about six months. You like that? <laughs> and I have just one more little bit of autobiographical bit by Baba. Uh, a reporter asked Baba, can I ask you what made you turn to the spiritual path? And Baba said, <clears throat> and this is suitable because of the, the theme of the mother tonight. For a long time, my mother wanted a child she began to worship Shiva and chant Om Namah Shivaya all the time. What was it uh, that, uh, that, that Mamata said, what? Oh, the mighty fire. What a great mantra. Oh, the mighty fire. I feel like repeating that. Oh, the mighty fire. What? What did, what did he say? What did he say? He said I could. She can initiate you into it. I would be glad to, be, to receive that. She's learned. You learned Devi Ma's lessons very well. Yeah. Yeah. Om the mighty fire. She began to worship and chant Om Namah Shivaya all the time. Every Monday she fasted, and she regularly gave a holy bath to the image of Shiva, the Shiva Lingam. Then she met a guru uh, who gave a prasad and told her to repeat a certain mantra while remembering Shiva in her heart. The guru also told her to repeat Shiva's name all the time, before bathing, before eating, before leaving her house, before doing anything. This is Baba telling. Eventually, she had a son, Baba. While feeding her son, she would repeat Shiva's name. She would grab her son's hand and ask him to repeat, Om Namah Shivaya, before eating his food. As a result, Baba says, I grew up to be a great devotee of Shiva. <laughs> from my earliest years, I heard about saints and about God from my family at home. Then around the age of 15, 
I happened to see a play about a young boy named Prahlad, who was a child saint. And the story of Prahlad is a very famous story in India. Um, supposedly, Prahlad was brought up uh, by demons. And um, he had this spiritual urge and so on. They tried to kill him and all this stuff. Maybe he just had bad parents like most of us, so <laughs> it might have been an exaggeration. Anyway, as I watched the play, I was deeply moved. And soon after that, I left my home. For I suddenly felt a powerful pull towards the Lord. He left home at 15 and went from ashram to ashram. At one time, I practiced Ayurvedic medicine, but I gave it up because I realized that there were many others doing the same work. And, I, and if I left, it would be no loss to anyone. <laughs> then I turned to the spiritual path. Even now, I occasionally recommend Ayurvedic medicine, but my principal work now is to prescribe not for physical ailments, but for the disease of existence, which is much more widespread than other diseases put together. <clears throat> other diseases afflict only the sick, but this disease afflicts even healthy people. So that, that's Baba's answer. It's great, huh? <clears throat> so, very good. Did we leave anything out? No? Okay. So, happy birthday, Davy Ma. Thank you, <clears throat> I'm going to leave... Uh, uh, you to have darshan with everyone. I'm going to tiptoe off at the end of meditation. And um, you can go ask her all your questions and, and give her great love torture. <clears throat> and we're going to meditate now for 10 minutes. And meditate on that mighty fire. <laughs> the self is a mighty fire and exists within everyone. Very often we feel dull, we feel bored, we feel inert, and it's only because we're not in touch with this potential, this great power that's within, this great aliveness, this great vibrancy, this great wisdom, this great love, this great light that's within us. And it's because our minds go in negative directions and that takes our feelings in negative directions. And because of that, it draws a veil over what's really there. What's really there is tremendously powerful, and tremendously beautiful. And if we get in touch with that, then our life is transformed. So look within and find that place, that mighty fire that's within. You can repeat the mantra, Om a mighty fire, or Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. And within everyone, this great power dwells, this great place of joy and peace and fulfillment, contentment. So look within and find that. And keep looking within. And don't cease until you find that place within yourself. Even if it's difficult at first, gradually, gradually, you'll come to know the wellsprings of energy and joy that, that exist latently within you. No matter how depressed, how hopeless you are, this is the fundamental truth about yourself. All you have to do is keep looking and digging and find that place. So let's meditate now for 10 minutes. And once again, 
with great love and respect on the occasion of Devi Ma's birthday. I welcome you all with all my heart. Satgurnat Maharaj Ki Jai. Let's meditate for 10 minutes. <laughs>